This is a GRDC podcast. Each year in Australia, crop protection scientists come together to bring each other up to date with problems farmers are facing in the paddock and of course to discuss their responses. The latest forum held at Moama across the Murray River from Echuca had the theme Riders of the Storm of Resistance, Today, Tomorrow and Beyond. One of the key speakers was Fran Lopez-Ruiz, the fungicide resistance theme leader at the Centre for Crop and Disease Management in Perth. Now, listening to Fran's presentation, one of the points that really made an impression on me was the speed at which fungicide resistance can take hold in a paddock. And it was on that topic that we began our discussion. Oh, the speed is a direct effect of the selection, right? So we are applying a, a very homogeneous selection over the fungal populations. And this selection is just the fungicide that we use. The problem is that we tend to use the same fungicides over and over again. And that basically creates a sort of blanket selection over the crops. So if you think about resistance as something that is going to emerge, no matter actually what we do, the minute that resistance is there and we apply this selection pressure, the population is going to explode, meaning that you know resistance is going to build up very quickly. And, and the reason why it builds so quickly is because fungi, as opposed to most weeds, and actually this is something that shares with uh, insects, it normally has several different life cycles across mm. the growing season, which basically means that you know one becomes two very quickly, and two becomes four, and so on. Right? So that's really the whole situation. Now there are exceptions. There are fungi that actually only have one life cycle over the growing season. In those cases, resistance is going to evolve slower, and the populations are going to be smaller. And of course, the speed of resistance in fungicides, growing in fungicides, means that there's an increased, I suppose, need for proper monitoring of that situation in a paddock. Absolutely. And that's actually one of the, the main issues. And I was trying to show that with a couple of slides where I was showing data from 2016, 2017 for a particular disease, right? Spot form of the and barley, and then data for 2018, and actually how dramatically the picture changed. So we went from a pretty much prevalent wild type population, sensitive population, to a you know reduced sensitive population, and that happened you know in the term of one two seasons, right? Really. So yeah. it's actually quite quick, right? So and yes, yeah, so the monitoring is what is probably going to help us, try, you know, just deploying better management practices on a timely manner, because at the end of the day, this is about and you said that before, this is about being proactive and not reactive. If we just wait until you know the, the, the treatments start to fail, that means that some people are going to lose money more than actually they, use, they should lose right, in a normal season. So we have to be proactive, we have to be aware, right? within reason, within you know, logic, so we have to adapt our management practices. We are not saying it's going to change everything, but we're just saying it's going to keep an eye on it, and if there is something we can change based on the management advice we are given, it's going to put it to practice, it's going to try. By monitoring, I, I'm assuming you're talking about testing. Yes, yeah. yes. But they are not only testing, right? but also, you know, intel information from the field. It is very important to know whether a particular treatment is working in the field. I would say that 9 out of 10 cases of supposedly resistance in the field are actually, you know, just issues with the application, so the wrong timing, wrong compound. Disease was already, you know, too high. Sometimes we perceive that if a compound is not performing well, 
that has to be related to resistance, that's often not the case. And in the majority of cases, actually, that's the reality. There's so other things happening. There's other things happening. Yeah. So the intel from the field together with the analysis of the samples is actually what is going to give us you know, the ultimate answer. So as I said before, in the majority of cases, there's no resistance there. And that's something really good to know. You know, my program has an issue. That issue is not resistance. The issue is that I'm not doing something right within my program. My program is good. When the whole analysis indicates that there's resistance, we really have to start thinking on, to, you know, on changing something. There will be some particular bit of our program that we can tweak, and there will be obviously further monitoring, right, in order to follow up with that modification of our program. Okay, well, let's bring it up to issues. Well, mm -hmm. you've come here to talk about issues, so what's okay. happening out there? There are different cases of fungus resistance at the moment out there. Not every case is as alarming as some of them. And I basically was talking about two particular cases. One is a spot form of nep lodge in Western Australia. I can say now that spot form nep lodge resistance now is not limited to Western Australia only anymore. So it has been found also in Victoria, right? And it's not the same type of resistance. I didn't present that today, but I think that's important to know. And that basically means that resistance can emerge, sometimes independently in different places. Mm. In Western Australia, it has emerged several times, and other times it travels. But at the end of the day, we're dealing with the same issue. Spot on the in Western Australia, we're actually quite familiar already, or the industry is quite familiar with this, with this situation. There are different levels of sensitivity, reduced sensitivity, and high levels of resistance in Western Australia. And those populations are well characterized and the resistance mechanisms are, are known. There has been actually intensive sampling in the region just to try to understand how these populations are related to each other. And what we have found is that resistance has been emerging independently in different regions within Western Australia, which indicates that if we are applying sufficient selection pressure, meaning we are using the same fungicides over and over again, resistance is going to happen. It doesn't mm. need to travel from a region where resistance is already there to my region, it's going to happen. So for the other case that I was talking about was a net form of net lodge resistance in South Australia. And that's actually, it's a very interesting case because it's the first time that we have found what we call a double mutant population, meaning that... What, yeah, what's that? that? That's basically a population of a fungus that is resistant to two different mode of actions at the same time, right? So. This double mutant population is resistant to DMIs, which is the backbone of the, all the chemicals that we use, and also to some DMIs, sorry, not all DMIs, and also to some SDHIs, which is a group that has been relatively recently introduced into the system. So that raises really, really big concerns because not only we can select for resistance to one compound or one mode of action, we can actually do it quite efficiently against two mode of actions at the same time. Yeah. Do, you, do you know how that happened? Well, we can only hypothesize. So we're talking about crops that are not rotated, you know, very often. We're talking about crops where the chemical rotation is also actually quite small. We're talking about regions where disease levels are quite high. And we're talking about a particular environment where the stable is probably not managed as, as it should be in order mm. to control these levels. We've mm. got a lot of carryover. So if we put everything you know, into the same box, we're going to end up with, with a problem very quickly. right? So we went from no resistance to SDHIs, because SDHIs were introduced in the market, as I said before, not that long ago, to a very high frequency of resistance in a very short period of time. 
Over what sort of time? We're probably talking uh, from introduction to the levels that we found today, you know, four years. And four years? Days, right? and, and the levels are quite high? Well, we have paddocks with 58%. Uh, mm. This is actually the highest that we found. But we've got, you know, it's a complex situation. We've got different frequencies and different paddocks. So, which also indicates that this disease is quite heterogeneous. It's not a homogeneous disease. And in a, the same paddock, you're going to have wild type, reduced sensitive, highly resistant in different combinations. And in the paddock, you know, down the road, you're going to have a completely different mix. So, scientifically wise, it's quite thrilling because there is a big problem there and we need to find an answer. So far, the answer for us, or the answer that, you know, we had, we had discussed, you know, with the industry is, it's going to try to put some different management practices in place. Yeah, something has to happen, yeah, something. yeah. We have yeah. to do something. One of the questions that's come up a couple of times with, with several different speakers is mixtures of compounds. There's been questions surrounding, well, what mixtures, how, how much, mm. what are the rates, what's your view on that? All the models that we've been using and all the research that is published in the literature indicates a mixture of different mode of actions, okay, are always outperforming any other combination. If we use a single mode of action, so resistance is going to be de developing quicker, obviously, than if we use a combination of multiple mode of action. Using a combination of mode of actions, what it's allowing us to do is effectively targeting two metabolic pathways at the same time basically means that if we've got resistance to one of the metabolic pathways, the other compound in the mix should deal with the problem. Now, it's also quite an interesting situation because the same way we've got already resistance to a particular mode of action, if we don't rotate our mixture as well, we're going to select for the second mode of action very quickly or quicker. So at the end of the day, the game is quite simple, confuse the enemy. Right? Yes, so yeah, yeah. if we use different management strategies, the disease will have a very hard to adapt. But if we use the same, it's a piece of cake. Nature always wins. So if we've got the same homogeneous environment, the same management practice, and the same disease, it's going to evolve faster than if we've got a very heterogeneous environment. Now, that heterogeneous environment is going to be given by the change in the crop, the change in the variety, the change of the mode of action, right? The rotation of even within molecules within the same mode of action, rotation of them, the stable management. So there are lots of key areas where we can make a difference. That was Fran Lopez Ruiz. Fran is the fungicide resistance theme leader at the Centre for Crop and Disease Management in Perth. The Centre for Crop and Disease Management is co-supported by Curtin University and the GRDC.